Okay. Well, I want to start with a little bit of review. Just a tiny bit. It's the very last class of our uh, Christian growth or ordinary means Sunday school class. So I want to start off with a question. What are means of grace? Well, perfect. <laughs> so we, well, Jeremy, if you must ask, it's yes. the means God has given his children to be spiritually nourished in Christ and to grow in his grace. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, listening, yeah, to, listening to the classes that I couldn't, that I couldn't uh, attend, and then sitting in the classes, you know, a lot of the teachers would ask me, what, is it? what are the means of grace? There's crickets. And I'm like, okay, well, the one thing we probably have failed to do as we got through the ordinary means class is to give people a simple definition that they can kind of wrap their heads around. And I don't know if this is it, but I figure I just give it to you. you know, th this, is, this is the basic idea of, of, the, of means, the means of grace. Now, as we've talked about in the uh, first lesson, there are many means of grace. We'll, we'll drill down to what the ordinary means of grace are here in just a second, but the means of grace are basically these. I, I, I love certain words in here. The means God has given his children to be spiritually nourished in Christ and to grow in his grace. And think about Christ saying, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. We, we are nourished on our physical food. The means of grace are what nourishes us spiritually in Christ. We, we feed on, on these means. Um, specifically, though, as we've talked about in this class, the ordinary means. I didn't give you this answer. But what are, what are the ones that, the, that we typically recognize and call the ordinary means? Communion. Communion. Lord's Supper. Baptism. Baptism. Prayer, scripture reading. Prayer, scripture. Preaching. Preaching that kind of falls under scripture. And the one that we're talking about today is one that sometimes it sometimes isn't in the list, sometimes is, depending on who you're reading, and that's church discipline. But one thing, uh, as I've heard previous classes, as that question's asked, uh, another one that comes up, and I think it's really closely tied to church discipline, is fellowship. And that's really because discipline and fellowship in many ways can be tied into these other, these other means. Um, kind of the, the text that really shows this well is Acts 2, uh, as far as what the ordinary means are. So this is Acts 2, after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon uh, the, the people. Thousands are saved. Verse 41, it says... So those who received his word, that's uh, Peter, those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So we have there, we have the Lord's Supper, we've got baptism, we've got prayers, we've got teaching. But all that is happening in the context of the church being together the context of the, that fellowship. We'll, we'll see that, especially today, as we talk about church uh, discipline. So as we make that transition bet uh, between just kind of review and uh, what we're talking about today with church discipline, the uh, church has commonly recognized three, three marks of a true church. This kind of came out of the Reformation as you have uh, the Roman Catholic Church, and then you have those who are protesting the Roman Catholic Church and leaving it, the Protestants. And then because um, you have the teaching of, of Luther that's saying, no, it's not about one man. It's not about the Pope at be being uh, the vicar of Christ. It's we are actually a priesthood of believers. He says, you know, hey, Read your Bibles. Peter calls us a priesthood of believers. And then you start having, because of that, lots of other little churches form. You have the Anabaptists and, uh, and some various 
cult cults start coming popping up. So the church says, what are the marks of a true church? Basically, what they said is they said it's where the uh, where there's the pure preaching of the gospel, the pure preaching of the gospel. Part of that is uh, preaching justification by faith alone, through grace alone. That's like they turn and see the Roman Catholic Church and say, if you're not teaching the pure gospel, you are not a true church. Pure preaching of the gospel, the pure administration of the sacraments, that's, again, this would be another, another one. Again, these are the protesters against the Roman Catholic Church. That How many sacraments did, did the Roman Church have? Nine. I, I, seven was the number I had, but seven. you might be. What's that? It was a large number. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. And so part of this teaching on the pure administration of the sacraments is they're saying there's two. Yep. Christ gave us two. Baptism and the Lord's Supper communion. So the pure administration of the sacraments, and then the third one was the exercise of church discipline. The exercise of church discipline. Um, it, I, in my sermon I did a few weeks ago um, on Matthew 18, talking about church discipline, I think the one quote I read was, "If you know, when, when discipline leaves a church, Christ leaves a church. There's, if there's no discipline, and we'll see exactly what that means today, uh, but if there's no discipline, you don't, you don't have a true church. So let's dig into that. So, so is, one of, is one of the means uh, flogging? <laughs> no. We, 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 do not, we do not practice flogging in our church discipline. Fortunately. I'd be really sore. Um, okay, so let's start with this. What, what does discipline look like in a family context? What is discipline in a family context? I think it's calling each member their deeds and their their understanding of how to live this Christian life um, in the question and always making them be accountable. Okay, so like so accountability. Erica, the, the question that I just posed was, what does, and I'm just talking about in general, any family, what does discipline look like in a family context? Were you about to say something, Devin? I was trying to think in terms of fam familial hierarchy that the, the uh, father is the head of the household and the mother submits to him and then the children are under them both and it's not like a... The, though it's though the, the father's ahead, it's a lot, a lot more still a partnership than just do what the father says. That there's there's boundaries and rules and guidelines that the parents lay out, not only for the children but for themselves. And then on the kids, the the parents try to enforce that in a godly manner, which could include, include punishments of various kinds or. Of the occasional spanking, but uh, but you you have some order. Yeah, some like order what you're describing is yeah, order in a household. Yeah, right? there's there's some there's some house rules. Yeah, whether those are um, you know how how we play Uno in this house. These are these are the Litz house Uno rules. Oh, those are very strict. Those are very yeah. <laughs> I've, I've I've been there. <laughs> Or, you know, how we speak, tone that we use, those sort of things. There's, there's order. Josh, were you about to say something? Uh, I was just going to say the, you know, what time we go to bed, when we brush our teeth. Um, do we have to ask permission to be excused from the table? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think order, I wouldn't have said that, so that's a, a better way of saying it. <laughs> I think it also, I think it disappoints as serving the purpose of ultimately um, maintaining unity or fellowship in a family. Mm -hmm. So if your child, you know, at least I think of it from my perspective as a parent now, like 
if Glimmer has is doing something that is against the order or the rules or whatever it is, or they're sinning, the ultimate goal is to restore them back to like fellowship with Christ and also with us as a family. And so discipline is sort of the, the tool for that. It's like you have to name the sin. Yeah, there there is for it a, to be confessed and. Yeah, there's a reper- there's repercussions for this action because this was wrong. But then, the goal ultimately is so that you have harmony mm-hmm. in the family. You know, and if you don't ever discipline, it's anarchy, you know, yeah. chaos. And and by and anarchy can uh, also occur when it, there's a, a facade of rules and everything, but really, in terms of how the parents discipline, that becomes chaotic. Uh, uh, a, a parent can control their anger and, and over enforces the rules has no, or has no humility for themselves and their own sins and doesn't confess those to the children because uh, I mean at least in, in the way I grew up and I had good parents but um, parents might be wrong and might even recognize it but we're, we're seldom going to apologize for their sins against their children mm-hmm. so there has to be a little gift from the the ones who have established that order in the household in order to be a, a good parent you have to also be an example try try your best to be an example of what you're trying to get across to your kids well, yeah. you can't leave out that god is the top of the hierarchy that's true the so if you're under him you have that requirement to confess your own sin and to submit yourself to him if you're expecting your children to submit themselves to you and so forth and it's important, I think, to differentiate between God's rules and house rules yeah. as well, mm-hmm. because you could have families that are so obsessed with rules, but have aren't actually submitting to God mm-hmm. or, or His law at all. They just have a bunch of preference rules. Yeah. So in a household context, you've got your you've got your house rules, whatever it might be. How do you, as your child grows up? And they, do, do you wait till they violate one of those rules? And all of a sudden, he's like, you come down hard on them. And they're like, I didn't even know. I was like, well, now you know. Is that how it works? Well, there's training. Erica? Yeah, well, I, that kind of goes to what I was just saying. I think is that I think as parents, we often think, we think when you hear the word discipline equals punishment. Mm-hmm. And discipline comes from discipleship, which means to teach and yes. to, to learn and to be a learner. And so in kind of getting to what you're saying is like for me it's what's the value the family value which for us is you know from a christian perspective Mm -hmm. behind the rule and so it's not just catching them when they're being bad and punishing but it's also encouraging when they're doing the right thing and not just saying good job but like why we think that's a good job why we value what you just did and said those sorts of things and so then when they do the opposite then you can say like we don't yell and throw all our cards at the end of the inner game because we lost because of how that makes other people feel and you know it's like you get back to the value of, of why you have that rule yes exactly so like you said discipline comes from that word discipleship so that we often forget it's not that there's there's not this aspect of correction but we often forget that first step of teaching teaching it starts with teaching because we don't just throw the law down on our kids without them without them knowing hopefully by when they break the rule like you're saying Erica we use words that are like oh yeah I knew that one I, I knew I shouldn't be doing this. This this is a violation, like the word values, of our of our family values. So, discipleship, often or discipline, especially often when it has the word church before it, has that very negative context. Church discipline. You you think of someone who's just gonna some pastor or elder board is just gonna come down on you hard and kick you out of the church. That's not how it should look either. But we forget the more positive, because we have that picture in our mind, we forget the positive aspects of church discipline. We forget the teaching aspect. So, yeah, Jeff? 
Can I use you as an example? Uh, sure. So, whether it's negative or positive, go for it. You're okay. No, I mean, I, when I grew up, um, I think the times were a little bit more difficult, you know, than current. So my dad was more stressed. We obviously, we obviously had a lot of discipline, but it was all, it was all corrective discipline. And in very, you know, we, we knew we had to make our beds. That, that was some teaching, but there were, some, a lot of times we would learn kind of the hard way like you're talking about. I, and I was really encouraged when I, when I see you working with your son. And, and I like the way you talk to him and, you know, you're, you're saying to him, son, you know, reasoning with him and, and making him understand it. And I thought that, that's really the way it should happen, you know. So I appreciate that kind of uh, view and way of doing things. The uh, so from from a parental perspective, what are you as a parent trying to trying to do with your child in the whole gamut of what discipline means? Whether it's the teaching, correction, punishment, whatever that might be, what are you in on your best day? <laughs> on your best day, in faith. In faith, yeah. What, what are you trying to do with your child? What are you trying to convey? Conform them to the image of Christ. Conform them in the image of Christ. What's that? Yeah, train them up in the nurture and the admission, the admission of the Lord. I think you're trying to teach them how to be a functional human. Try to be a functional, yeah, functional right? You got to be an adult that can function on their own and be able to live life and fulfill the requirements that they have. Because you can't be there as a parent all the time and constantly guide them to what they are. You're trying to. Yeah coach them, teach them, train them, so that then they can go play the game of life on their own. Yeah. And that, that includes both who they are as an individual and person by themselves, and how they interact with others in citizenship and in the church. Mm -hmm. um, it, it seems, uh, and everyone has different balances of what they're going, but it seems like it, it's become more of a the society's become so individualized now that that the idea of how do I function in society and who am I in light of that is kind of lost. Yeah. I think um, what differentiates the person in the world versus the believer is that our goal would be ultimately, you know, we've got people, I mean, everyone's got some kind of morality, you know, we can, they would train up their children to, to be successful in the world as well, you know, and to work in society but so do we but it, the difference is I think ultimately is that we're pointing them to Christ mm -hmm. so that would be the goal yeah. and all of that again on your best days I hope is coming from a place of of genuine love for your child Sorry. I discipline my child and we'll see this soon out of, out of the word I discipline my child because I love them if I, if I did not love my sons, it would be so easy for me just to like, because frankly, disciplining, like that understanding, like teaching, uh, correction, all of that, that would be so easy to just walk away and ignore. But I would not be loving my sons if I did that. It's discipline, discipline comes out of love. But is that how my boys tend to perceive my discipline. Is that how your kids tend to, tend to see your discipline? Often not, right? I remember as a kid, uh, there's, there's a family story that's told all the time, but when I was probably uh, between Ellis's and Reese's age, uh, my typical response when I was punished is I'd go in my room, I'd slam my door, and I would cry out very loud so everyone could hear, Oh, Lord! <laughs> Why am I being persecuted? <laughs> this is a pastor's kid. Yeah. Um, so, and I like, I did these loud prayers. As though I was, as though I were the victim uh, of, of this discipline. I still do that. You still do that. <laughs> he still but, gets ignored. 
I might do that today during scripture prayer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, typically our kids, especially when it's the more corrective discipline, they don't, they're not receiving it. We, we, again, on our best days are trying to discipline them in love and they, they are feeling like the victims here. Like, no, this, this doesn't make sense. It, it's, not, it's not fun in the moment. Um, can I can I add yeah. so, t- so for me, uh, growing up, my dad was very uh, more corporal type mm-hmm. punishments. My mother was very good at teaching <coughs> and loving and being nurturing like that. And it, at, at a certain point, you have to think, which way do you want to you know, raise your kids up? Do you want to be just always right on them or are you trying to be a little bit more flexible and and just help them understand things better and i think that's something that's maturity you get better and better at over time and you try to be more patient with your children but one of the things that i i actually came to and i i actually don't know how anybody else would view this but i i read the verse that says you know a man doesn't love his child if he doesn't discipline him mm-hmm. now how you view that discipline is that something yeah if I don't beat you today then mm-hmm. I'm not loving you <laughs> that's kind of a kind of a, a warp thing that I think but because actually I, a lot, for a long time I, I thought well I'm, I haven't whipped my kids today you know so like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being a very good parent <laughs> we already touched on flogging <laughs> that's what I wondered when that was going to happen here but you know. but yeah I mean, this brings out another good facet that I, I'm, I'm hoping here in this family conversation to really paint a picture of how this actually plays out in, in the church right because it's very much the same thing and what you're getting to is wisdom there's times when I could simply spank my son sometimes I do and sometimes I re- sometimes I think what he needs right now is not speaking. He needs he needs me he needs his dad to calmly talk with him through these things. It's different at different times. It could be the same issue and just realizing something else needs to happen here. Um, so there's wisdom in knowing how to handle the how to handle your discipline again to get us out of the negative. A framework of what of discipline is just a purely punishment I'm talking about the whole scope how we teach them um, there's there's going to be various times where we just have to employ our wisdom and in, in how we are going to relay these things to them sometimes you know depending on if my kid is running out in the street I may if I'm right there I may grab him wrestle him to the ground or I may put on my angry dad voice just to get them to freeze in their tracks. But if there's sometimes where they might be doing something that might get them a little hurt, and I might just stand back and watch. Let me see what he needs to learn a lesson here. And then I'll, if something bad happens, I'm going to go talk with him afterwards. You know, there's, so there's wisdom, there's understanding in all these things. Um, so let's, let's dive into Scripture then and see how some of these things that we've talked about uh, parallels uh, with Scripture. Uh, Hebrews 12. Someone wants to read uh, verses, three, uh, verses 3 through 11. Hebrews 12, 3 through 11? Yep. Remember the... Uh, it's 13, hold on. I'm sorry. Got big thumbs. Hebrews 12, 3 through 11. Okay. For consider the one who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary in your souls and give up. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood as you struggle against sin. And have you completely forgotten the exhortation which instructs you as sons? 
My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline or give up when you are corrected by him. For the Lord disciplines the one who he loves and punishes every son whom he accepts. Endure it for discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline in which all legitimate sons have become participants, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had our earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Will we not much rather subject ourselves to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a few days according to what seemed appropriate to them, but he does so for our benefit, in order that we can have a share in his holiness. Now all discipline seems for the moment not to be joyful but painful, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who are trained by it. Excellent. So the first thing we need to realize is that when God is disciplining us, and we'll get to how he uses the church as uh, his uh, instrument for that, but as, as God is disciplining us, it's coming from this place of perfect fatherly love. And I, I love how, he, how the author says, uh, you know, even earthly fathers disciplined us for a short time, what seemed right for them. It's kind of this nod to like, yeah, we don't do it perfectly. <laughs> earthly fathers don't do it perfectly. Our Heavenly Father, though, does it perfectly. He disciplines us perfectly. And so when he tells us that I am doing this because you are my child and I love you, we can, we can understand that as his discipline, even though it feels painful and I can't find a lot of joy in it at the time, I can trust that he is doing this out of love for me because I'm his child. And that's... That's kind of the whole encouragement of this right here is if, if you're not being disciplined, you should be worried because a thought is a child, a legitimate child that gets disciplined. The, the father lovingly disciplines his child so we can take joy when we are undergoing various trials, when we are being, maybe uh, when we are being taught uh, from his word and maybe some things are difficult to understand, but we can still uh, have this understanding that God is disciplining those whom he loves, his children. Um, the verse 11 uh, says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Those who have been trained by it. We need to have a mindset of being trained by discipline. There's times when I'm working with my boys where I, based on their reaction, I can tell that they are not allowing themselves to be trained by the discipline. I'm speaking, I, I can, there's times where I'll speak to them and I'll hear, yes daddy, yes daddy, yes daddy, yes daddy. Get it over with. Right, just get it over with. Come on, shut up dad. I want to move on and keep doing what I'm doing. And then there's times where it's the, Oh, and the weeping and gnashing of teeth and oh, Lord. right. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and I can tell based on these re on these responses. Like, okay, he he's either just wanting me to shut up and move on, so he's not really listening, or he's more he's he's this he's really upset about the punishment, the consequences, rather than actually learning from his mistakes. And that's where it's like we, we need to have this mindset of being trained by discipline. We are, if, if we're just the, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Or, oh, why me? Why are you doing this to me? You were probably not hearing, allowing ourselves to be trained. Um, Jeremy? Yeah. Not for a third yeah, when I please. struggle to learn, like struggle to be discipled, is those times when you have like kind of that you're trying to understand. So it's not just that you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're also not like, oh, why me? But you're just like struggling to understand what is happening. So mm -hmm. not so much the why me, but like, what am I trying, what am I supposed to be learning here? And like digging deep into, you know, the word and, you know, talking with others and like, that's where the struggle is. I'm struggling to understand something yes. or a concept or what, what is God trying to teach me right now? And I think that's the, the proper mindset. 
right? That's someone who is willing to be trained. But by, it still feels tough. It's still painful. Yeah, it's still a hard thing to go through. But there's that humility. And like you said, even though there's maybe a lot, still a lot of questioning around it, it's still that putting ourselves under the authority of God and resting in his discipline of, of us. Um, let's look at this. We're going to dig into a few passages. One quick yeah. question. Uh, with regard to being a church body and having other parents having a different idea of how they should raise their children, and I'm sure there's probably parents who get kind of frustrated with the way you think that, that your children should be trained up and there. So it's kind of a maybe even infighting in the church where people are not really agreeing with the way you're doing your training. And then things can be said and people get frustrated. But I wonder, isn't there a certain amount of um, kind of general discipline that, like if, 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 we, if we hear our kid, some kid yelling out here in the hallway and they're you know, not paying attention to the people in, in, in this space, you just made it say to them very clearly, Hey, keep it down. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not a big problem. I hope, but it, I think some other things you might you you might interject because it looks like the parents like not clued in at all, and you might say, "Hey, you ought to raise your kid a little bit better." You know, I don't know how you'd say that. Well, I think we'll we'll kind of get to that as we get through this okay. and really see the heart of discipline and how we how we can approach people in wisdom and patience and understanding. Um, One more verse with just God's fatherly love over us. In Revelation 3, I'll just read it. Revelation 3, 19. He's he's uh, writing this letter to the church of Laodicea. He says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Again, this is just this, this voice of fatherly love. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. So it's this... Uh, motivation for us when we understand the father, fatherly love of God on us that we want to then turn and be zealous and repent, uh, turn toward him uh, turn to Ephesians 4 I want to look at a uh, little bit of time we have left, we'll try to fly through this, uh, Ephesians 4, we're going to look at some examples of kind of positive uh, church discipline and negative discipline and, and that, that's not saying one's, one's bad that's saying it's more of a positive uh, encouragement and the other is done more negatively in correction uh, Ephesians 4 I'll also read some of these for the sake of time uh, Ephesians 4 11 through 16 And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all may attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer uh, be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head uh, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, uh, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. So this gives a bit of that, as Devin's talking about kind of the, the authority structure in the household and kind of how that works. Here we're seeing there's there's an authority structure in the church given to us. God has God has given us this structure, and this positive aspect of teaching, discipline as teaching, because what's the point of this one? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love that we want to grow. This is what Barrett was talking about, right? As we're raising our children, we want them at some point to be able to leave the nest and survive and thrive. And this is kind of, this is this language here, Paul uh, talking about 
uh, bringing the church up to maturity, to be a, a mature man, no longer acting like children who are just tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but people who know the truth. And as we know the truth and grow up and are disciplined under the truth of the word of God, we can start saying, hey, this that I'm hearing over here is wrong. That is not what the word of God says. So we are, we are being disciplined. We're being taught in this way that we, helps us understand the truth of the word of God, uh, being able to distinguish uh, truth from error. Um, First Peter, this kind of goes to the, um, again, I think what Devin was saying is uh, this humility that we have to have as parents. First uh, Peter 5, 1 through 4. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So this is, we, even though there is an authority structure, there is not a license to be domineering. There is not a license ever given for us to just uh, be tyrants in, in, in church leadership. And I would say, even in, in, among the body, as we, uh, see, as we see a brother sin, we should never go to, that, go to them in this spirit of domineering or being a tyrant of saying, oh, shame on you. You know, that's, that's not the heart that is behind this. There's, there's humility and it begins first by being an example. You think of Christ talking about, you know, before you go, you go to take the splinter out of your brother's eye, check your own eye because there's a big log in there. That sort of thing, right? It starts first by being an example. Um, R.C. Sproul sa says, um, I, I, he, kind of, he says this, I think, in regard to kind of some cage stage, a Calvinist kind of type, where we get all excited about Reformed theology, and it's like, ah, and, and uh, Sproul says, it'd be a sad thing for those of us who are so excited by the doctrines of grace to then be ungracious people. Yeah. If we're excited about these things, the, the outworking that should have in our heart is a gracious attitude. Grace, we, it's an understanding how much God's grace uh, we have through, through Christ, and that we just get then to share that grace with others. Um, we gotta kind of keep moving here. Let's see. Hebrews, I'm gonna go back to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 17. This kind of is the perspective of, of the congregation. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So again, this, it's this aspect of kind of working in harmony with one another, having household harmony in the church. Like, yes, okay, God has, God has given me leaders to teach me his word, to discipline me under his word, I'm going to submit to that. Doesn't mean submitting does not mean you can't ask questions. Submitting doesn't mean that you might have even have disagreements. It's that harmony. Like I'm okay with my son saying asking me questions like, "Okay, dad, I know this is our family value. Why?" I don't I don't see that as important. Can you tell me why you why this is a a family value? That's great. That's wonderful. I shouldn't be, no, that's not your place to ask questions. Sit, sit down and shut up. Yeah, that, that's not, Josh. Just because of the kid thing, it's like, um, I remember Doug giving this really awesome illustration of how do you see a squirrel in a tree? You know, and how does a kid see a squirrel in a tree? Like, the kid doesn't. And what you do as an adult trying to show the kid the squirrel in a tree is you don't just say it's right there. 
you, you, you come alongside of them, right, and you point at it. Mm -hmm. And you get down at their level and you help them see down your arm. Mm -hmm. And and then you're explaining what you're looking for. Like, okay, there's a, that tall branch in it. You know, do you see that? That looks like this. And you're using these descriptions that help them to kind of see like the, the framework of, you know, the thing you're looking for. Uh, and so you're identifying what that is and like the whole positive versus negative, what it is and what it isn't, right? Yeah. Um, and then with, with like the discipline stuff, you know, it's like if I'm, if I'm trying to instruct a child in something uh, and I just want compliance, you know, I might, you know, lord it over them, but that's not me learning from discipline either, because mm -hmm. I know that I'm only getting short-term compliance and not truly reaching the heart. Yeah. Uh, so what benefit is that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, but what you're capturing there is there's patience required, right? I think when we think more of the corrective uh, part of church discipline, this is where we as a church tend, and I'm saying that globally, tend to really be lacking is patience. We have, that. there's times, we're not going to get into all these passages today, but you know, there's times as we think about Paul writing the Corinthian church where he sees this kind of big deal sin that says, I, you need to act immediately. Like, I'm not even with you, and I know what you need to do. There's times like that. That's kind of like my kid running in the street. I need to act now. Because I don't want my kid to be clobbered by a car. I love him too much. But what's harder is sometimes that's not the reaction that we need to have. And yet that's the, that's the tact we take. And what we need is this patience to, like, yeah, it's a lot easier to show someone the door of the church and say, hey, I don't have time for you anymore. It's a lot harder to sit down with them in it and to love them and patiently guide them through it. And we need to, as, as believers, we need to understand. First off, if you, you have the world, and if they're, outside, if they're not regenerate, they're not believers, should we be shocked when they act like unbelievers? No. But at the same time, when we have Christians in the church, people who we have heard a credible testimony of faith and they're acting like the world, we have to understand that yeah, sometimes that can happen, even with believers. And there's times where we need the, the probably the wise tact to take is sitting down with them and patiently working through it with them. Like this, and that's, that's really the hard work, like you're describing. It's a lot. If I'm showing my kid the squirrel in the tree, I can get, it's right there. And if you can't see it, I'm sorry, but it's right there. Right. And instead of taking that time to get down at their level and walk them through the whole thing. Yeah. And there's like the knowledge gap. That's, that's the hard part for the, uh, the adult with a kid or the, the teacher with a student, right? It's like the things I know, I know, and the things that you don't know yet, Mm. I, I take for granted, right? And so it, it takes that back and forth. It's like the student needs to learn stuff just as much as I need to learn what they need to know. Yeah. Right? Jerry, um, when I was growing up, I don't remember that um, my, my dad really never, I, I, had, I didn't have corporal punishment from him, but I remember once that Mom was washing dishes from supper. I went with Dad into that little TV that had the screen about this big, and we were watching something, and it came to my mind I wanted a Coca-Cola. I could go and ask Mom, but she was busy. I think I'll ask Dad because he's easy. That's what I thought. <laughs> so I said, Daddy, could I have a Coke? No. <laughs> I mean, he could have smacked me right in the face. You know, I just went, no. So I sat there quietly, and then I got up and I went to the door where the kitchen was, and I said, Mom, could I have a Coke? And she said, sure, you have to get it. Okay, opened the fridge, got the Coke, opened it up. Go back in where Daddy is and sit down. <laughs> and he said, 
what have you got? And I said, a Coke. I thought I told you, what did I tell you? I said, you said no. And I said, but mom said yes. And he said, um, did you ask her first and then ask me? And I said, no, and he knew I didn't. Mm -hmm. And so he said, hand me the Coke. And none of it was ever, he was just talking to me the mm -hmm. whole time, not upset. And I said, hand you the Coke. What are you gonna do with my Coke, Dad? He said, hand me the Coke, uh -huh. hand him the Coke. He got up, went over, and poured it out. Mm -hmm. And of course, by this time, I'm in tears because I really wanted that Coke. <laughs> and then he had me to come over and sit on his knee. I didn't want to do that. I was mad at him. But I sat down on his knee, and he put his arm around me. And he said, honey, Dad has a reason and even if I explained it to you, you wouldn't get it. And I see that in the Word all the time where the Lord says, I can't tell you right now. I could, but you won't know what I'm saying, you know. And, um, but from that, Jeremy, from that experience, and I remember it till this day, and I was very young. I had to have been before third grade even. The, the way I saw my dad from that point on was a person out front. He wasn't here. He was out here and he loved me and he knew me well that spoke volumes to me I didn't think he did because my dad got up he went to work he came home it was time to eat supper get a few minutes with the kids and then go to bed and so I didn't think dad really knew me mom kind of took care of all the things going to the PTA meetings and those types of things and um, from that point on I just I just saw Dad as um, the person, and, and he let us know too that, you know, he wouldn't do everything perfectly, but he wanted us to know he was there for us, and we could come at any time. And of course, Mom was so right there with us, that's where we went. But um, when I think of him today, and I think of the way he led our family, um, it was just that. He was the protector, and I did feel such security in my family, um, and just, I wanted to be there, and I wanted to do whatever I did, I wanted to bring them a smile on their face. And that wasn't coming from, because I was so good, it was because I saw how they loved, but they cared enough to stop and discipline whatever that took, and I did get some paddlings, but... <laughs> Not from him. He didn't. He chose not to be the one. Yeah. Because he had two girls, mm -hmm. so he chose to let mom do the corporal punishment. Yeah. But um, I just, when I think of the discipline that was in my home, it was always discipline to bring us security, to bring us um, goodness, and I don't. I can't even think of the word peace because there was such peace in obedience. And um, so I think it is what helps. Um, and, and I could have some attitude sometimes when I see the one y'all been talking about. <laughs> when I see him, I go, whoa, there's Erlene, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I just think that when we follow the obedience, if, if we can, even if we're complying only, the Lord works out the rest to make us submissive. And when we come to see that all obedience is ultimately unto Him, mm -hmm. and we can trust Him that He's going to take up the difference for everything, it, that's when it becomes submission. Yeah. And there's such security and peace in that. I love it. Um, just to reference a couple last passages before we wrap up here. In Ephesians 4, we already read the first part of Ephesians 4, uh, talking about the, the, the authority structure in the church, warning off of doctrine. Then verses 17 and following, kind of talk more about sin and hardness of heart. And at the very end, this is, this is the heart of this discipline. As this is the body building itself up, he says, be kind, verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. This is, if we are going to someone 
whatever the discipline looks like, whether it's the the simple teaching of the word or actual discipline of correction, um, if we are not being kind in it, if we are not being tender-hearted, that's a big issue. And then, ultimately, having a heart of forgiveness because we have been forgiven much, and I guarantee none of us can ever forgive someone else more than what God has forgiven us. So be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. And another passage talking about doctrinal correction, uh, 2 Timothy 2, um, 14 and following. Again, I'm not going to read it, but the it ends again with this heart in verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, uh, kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Again, this this picture of this heart of gentleness and patience is so important. Uh, as we as we think of church discipline. So uh, just to wrap up, ultimately church discipline is biblical. It's loving. Again, even when it sometimes feels painful, it's loving. Church discipline is biblical, loving. It teaches us about the holy love of God. In its proper use, we are spirit, spiritually, nour- uh, spiritually nourished to grow in his grace. This is how church discipline is one of those ordinary means. Uh, Again, just those encouraging words uh, from Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 11, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So how, just a couple last questions, then then we'll wrap up. How do we make ourselves available to this sort of dis- this uh, sort of uh, discipline, this means of grace? Like you expect it. You have to expect it. You have to expect it. Like all of us should come here knowing we're sinners, and since we are sinners, we are going to sin. And since we're going to sin, we should hope and expect that if our brother or sister sees us in that that they can come to us. And if no one sees us in it, then hopefully we can submit ourselves to go to someone and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. You're, you're pulling these things out of Hebrews, and in Hebrews it talks about drawing near multiple times. Mm-hmm. So along the same lines of expecting it is drawing near to God. It's like, pay attention. You know, It's like the as the normal conversations are happening, you know, something will just strike you, and it's like the small little things like that. You know, you, you're... You're trying to point out this church discipline is not like this giant overbearing force that happens. It's the everyday small conversations kind of stuff. I would assume. Hebrews 10, right? Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. And that's because that's where we receive this. This is where we receive the, the word of God, baptism, Lord's Supper, corporate prayer. This is where we receive these things is together. So if we're not together, we can't expect... We're, we're not going to, can't expect to sit under the teaching of the word. Can't expect our brothers and sisters to come alongside of us. Jeremy, I don't know if this is biblical. <laughs> you know, we, we uh, at least I've heard it said, you know, um, the wounds of a friend are faithful. That is a quote from scripture. So yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. in, my, in, my, in my question, I'm wondering how do we apply that? Because I guess that that kind of points to there's going to be poss- possible problems with the way you said something or the way it was taken, uh, and I'm just guessing that there must be some kind of uh, faith. Huh? Faith. You can't just get an answer to that question, right? It's like you have to like through the renewing of your mind and the word, yeah. pursue it in faith. And then it's a feedback loop, right? Because if you if you cross the line, they'll probably let you know. Well, and, and so then the next thing is if if you do offend somebody by 
saying something that you know they didn't really like and you weren't ready for because sometimes I think this kind of teaching gets us ready but did they learn that lesson? I don't know. <laughs> but I think there's a couple of things that we can draw out of that. First off, if we're going to be among God's people and, and trying to train ourselves, be, be willing to receive discipline, as far as that corrective discipline, we need to have close relationships with people. And probably the, the correction that's going to happen is best going to be from a friend. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to realize as much as if someone, if a complete stranger tells me your breath stinks, it's going to be different if a friend tells me, Jeremy, your, your breath stinks. When's the last time you brushed your teeth? You need maybe drink less coffee. You know, is it going to hurt? Yeah, no one likes to hear their breath stinks, right? Some people might receive it worse than others. But I can receive that from a friend much more easily. And... And I, my first reaction hearing it from a complete stranger is going to be like, you don't know what you're talking about, right? From a friend, like, okay, maybe their, their word has a little, carries a little more weight. So we, we need to be known. We need to allow ourselves to be among God's people and known by his people. All right. I think you also have to cultivate a, a reputation for being difficult to offend. Because mm-hmm. um, people don't want to go to, no one wants to be that person potentially just off their friend. But right. but if you're like, well this person's usually pretty reasonable and doesn't take things personally, that makes it easier to go to someone. So I think if you can try to just not be easily offended, that can be good. Well the 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 one thing I worry about myself, coming from a military family, I I, I think everybody knows military, you know, a book, right? And my dad was very much like that. He was like, I think he was born in genetically into the military. You know, so for me, I, I view that I've learned things very sternly. And so I'm kind of a stern person. And I, I hate that about me in a lot of ways because I know how it affected my children when I was bringing them up. But I think about it now and I think, well, at least you learned some things and at least you're, I think I deal with things well, but the problem is, would I be giving enough grace to other people and being willing to talk to them with, with the concern that you need to have, I think. Yeah. So, I, so a lot of times I just want to shut my mouth, mm. you know, but uh, I, am, I am definitely one that looks at people and I think, you know, what are you doing, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I want, to, I, I want to put that in some kind of balance because... You do need to have the discipline, but you also don't want to offend, right? Yeah, you don't. This is where I, I talked about in my sermon a few weeks ago. We, we shouldn't be in a place where we see something that's wrong and just like, well, it's unloving to address that. What I, what I hope we've seen today is that it, it, it is actually love to address it when you can come in that tender hardness, gentleness. There, there is a very loving way to do, to approach that. We need to wrap up. Mom, you had one last comment? I'm going to do my best here. Um, I just wanted to say that, like, having come from children's ministry, I would just say this, this is one of the reasons why it's so important to be involved in children's ministry because when you are involved in the lives of, of people starting at infancy and they're working their way up and you're speaking into their life as little children and, you know, I've, I've spoken to every child in this church in some form or fashion, you know, and, and I'm just saying, when I see someone out there and I, if I see some kind of danger, I'm going to speak to that child, even if the parent's not around, I'm going to say, no, 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 don't do that, you know, and, and, and those children learn, everybody's watching, everyone's looking out for me, you know, and the parents don't even have to be there, the parent can know I'm in this environment of people love my children, right, so we're all growing up in the church and, and having this bond, so that when they're 16 and you have to speak harsh to them or, you know, speak to a hard part in their life, you know, and it's a, it's a very hard thing, they're going to be much more receptive to that because of what they've grown up in, you know, and this, this loving environment. And so for me, I would say as I've grown up and, and even though I've been in some churches that hasn't maybe prepared me well, um, 
doctrinally maybe, you know, I know that people loved me and I had that, right? So I don't have this negative connotation with the body of believers. And so when people come to me, I, I view them as they love me, you know, that they're coming to me out of love. And I think that that is an important um, component of church discipline is understanding that when someone comes to you, it's, it's out of, it is out of love, you know, and, and we may not do it well, but the heart is there, I think, and we have to see past some of our weaknesses as humans, you know, that we don't do it perfectly, but we love each other, you know, ultimately. Very good. Well, with that, since we're way up against time, we're going to go ahead and stop there. Uh, no Sunday school hour next week, and then I'll announce in service October, or August 14th, the two new adult Sunday school classes are starting.